Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, I've got a new email address for us. I thought we, oh. thought we could. St- I thought we could start with that. Actually, go on. Uh, yeah. So I thought that spelling out chatteroo would be too exhausting for the listeners if every time we gave out the email address, so it was said, two T's, two T's. Is it one R? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So what I've gone for is just chat at cheerfulpodcast dot com. Yeah, that's better. So that's up and running now. I think it's one R. I mean, I guess it's whatever we want it to be. <laughs> yeah, unless you want to send us an email, in which case that becomes complicated. Yeah, okay, so chat. So we have a new email address. Yes, chat at cheerfulpodcast.com. And we'd like to hear from people, wouldn't we? Absolutely. And, and you know, we were talking about the word of the year Yes. on our last episode yeah, before Riz. Ben Ansel. Um, we got an email from Joel Corner. Oh, yeah. Who said, the man behind the milliverse. Yes. I mean, you could say that you're the man behind the milliverse sort in some of. senses, but um, he says... He's the man right. behind the man behind the milliverse. Exactly. Uh, the milliverse has many fathers. Yeah. He says, I thought I'd write right. in to put Jeff's mind at ease regarding how the word of the year is chosen as somebody who works at the Oxford University Press. Oh. The shortlist is decided by the word boffins in the deep vaults, and then said list is sent out to all OUP staff who can help narrow the list down. This year, there was a sort of head-to-head matchup with various words, like a knockout stage in a sports contest. Once the words had been narrowed down, the boffins once again debated which of the remaining words would come out on top. It wasn't a public vote, oh. and the experts always have the final say, so hopefully that helps Jeff sleep at night. Does it? It does, yes. It's good to know that there are word boffins in the deep vaults. He also says, if you're ever in Oxford, let me know and I'll get you a tour of the Press Museum. 
if oh, you like, wow. at the Press's Museum. It's one of the top eight museums in Oxford, in my opinion. Well, I love that he's got an opinion. Top that eight. Yeah, it doesn't exist. There's not a top ten, but you can narrow it down to a top eight. It is one R, by the way. In Chatteroo? Yeah. Okay. I still think chat at cheerfulpodcast.com is nice and easy for people. Now, I, I, I've I been texting you sort of slightly uh, too much, maybe. Never. Uh, about shrinking. Yes, this is the Apple TV Plus show. Yes. What have you heard about it? I know uh, that it's Brett Goldstein as one of the writers, who is a British comedian who I like very much, who's also in Ted Lasso. Harrison Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford stars in it with Jason Segel, who yes. I, I like. He wrote a very good Muppet film some years ago. And you've you've become obsessed. What is it about it that you love so much? So I, I sort of started watching it, I guess, just before Christmas and then uh, at sort of post, post-Christmas of sort of binge the rest of it and then i i did something which i'd never ever do which is i started watching it all the way through again last night with justine i've I watched the first one and she really liked the first episode as well so you'd watch it on your own and then yeah you'd re-watch yeah it. were you looking nervously down the sofa to see slightly, what her reaction was slightly but but she she really liked it so what's what's the premise have you ever watched any of it i think i might have watched a little bit of the first one and, and i haven't been back to it i've just got jason siegel a... plays a psychotherapist who has lost his wife uh, and he's, he's a bit kind of off the rails. And a bit off the rails with a yeah. teenage daughter. Harrison Ford is his mentor. Um, and I think Harrison Ford is is quite brilliant, actually, in it. Um, and Is he curmudgeonly? Yeah. Uh, what is it that I like about it? It's quite schmaltzy. Right, that I struggle with a little bit. Do you? Schmaltziness, yeah. I thought you would like schmaltziness. No, I like I like something genuinely heartfelt. Some, you know, I'll, I'll often sit crying at the TV, but if, if if I feel that somebody's deliberately pulling the strings, I very quickly close off from it. Is that what schmaltzy implies? I think so. Schmaltzy is kind of like a manufactured sentimentality. No, well, isn't I it? don't think. I think that's a bit unfair. I think it's sort of quite insightful about grief, uh, about sort of some of the artificiality of therapy or not artificiality but the i mean i don't want to give it away but but at the beginning of the series jason siegel tries to sort of you know break the boundaries of what therapy normally would do i think it's fair to say um i think it's just very interesting do you think it's an accurate portrayal of therapy no well not at the beginning anyway because that's something I think it's really hard to get right on screen. I th- think The Sopranos did it. And um, there's that show, Couples Therapy, which I've recommended to you, which is is brilliant. You know, that feels like real therapy sessions. But Why have you not gone near shrinking then? Just because of backlog. Right. But it's on it's on a list of things for me to have a look at. But I love Harry. I mean, I really like, as I say, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. And what is your... But what, what what's the sort of front of the backlog, if you see what I mean? Oh, the most recent thing I watched was um, a, a documentary called Love Has Won, Mother of God, which is about a former McDonald's manager who gave up her career in uh, fast food and um, declared herself God and started a cult. And it's, it's brilliant. It's a three-part documentary. Sometimes, you know, when things are just three episodes or so, it feels a bit more manageable mm. than an entire series. How, how much of shrinking is there? Ten. But it's okay. going to be the second series. I mean, okay. he, he had sort of 
it had generally positive reviews, but some people were thought it was too schmaltzy. Mm. Um, maybe I I'm just you... interested in therapy. Well, I'm super. I mean, that, that I'm I'm, fast, I'm so interested in therapy. Have I told you that I've started doing um, EMDR therapy? No. It's so interesting. The evidence on it compared to other forms of therapy is um, is extremely good in terms of effectiveness. And it's it's a very odd experience. So it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, and a lot of it is, I guess, staring at a light whilst feeling your feelings. But, Ed, I have never sobbed so much in a therapy session. I'm howling. Every wow. week I'm howling. Wow. I don't quite know the principles behind it but it's become a real thing recently and part of the reason it's thought to be very good is you know you do therapy it teaches you to rationalize but sometimes the feelings that underpin stuff they never quite go away yeah i think emdr is supposed to work on on the feelings and so so just explain again what happened what what you do is you um you you take a memory yeah so uh, a memory with some trauma attached yeah and then you sit in the memory of that whilst watching a light. And also you're holding these, I guess, like uh, little vibrating things, pads in your hands. And because your eyes are focusing on this light and your mind's slightly distracted by these pads, then you, you're not kind of getting caught up in that front layer of thoughts. Wow. You're just straight into the memory. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. Um, How long have you been doing it? I think I've done three sessions so far. And if I'm judging it just on how much I cry in a session, it's it's unbelievable. But it's and, and a lot comes up. What it feels like is every time you do a EMDR, you, you're generating like enough for a year's worth of regular therapy. But that's not the point of it, really. The point of it is to work on the the feelings that are underpinning a memory. How extraordinary. Mm. And I know, like, as I'm saying it, I know people will be listening to this and thinking, oh, flashing lights, vibrating pads, this, this sounds like quackery. But there's, there's really good evidence behind it. Gosh. And what does it have over sort of talking, conventional talking therapy? As I say, so, so you know, um, say you were doing cognitive behavioural therapy, yeah. saying yeah, that you, um, I don't know, had a fear of flying, and then you would break down that fear into um, rational thoughts and likelihood of anything happening and, you know, kind of taking it taking it apart, deconstructing it, then hopefully the rationality overrides the irrationality of the phobia. That's kind of how cognitive behavioural therapy works-ish. Um, please don't scream at your um, yeah. headphones if you're a therapist yeah. and that's not how it works at all. But the, you, you get yeah. what I'm getting at. But but often that sort of feeling in your gut doesn't go away. Even when you've been through something in either analysis or CBT or whatever, you, you can quickly recognise something and move through it. But the feeling that underpins it, yeah, it's still there, and I think the idea, or one of the ideas of EMDR, is is um, it works on neutralizing those feelings by by sort of living by by sort of working it through, or sort of yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not exactly sure how it works. Crumbs. How often yeah. do you do it? Once a week. I've been doing it wow. once a week, and then I took a couple of weeks off over Christmas, not as a holiday from it. Just the therapist wasn't around, you know. Wow. I'd do it every day if I had the means. Really? Yeah, it's great. It's not a nonsense. No, doesn't sound like a nonsense at all. So I, I um, sent you this article that I read. It's funny how 
so, so basically, there's this article which was written 20 years ago by a guy called Nicholas Spice in the London Review of Books about um, this author called Adam Phillips, and mm. uh, is about therapy. And it's what's so interesting about this article, and I've since met Nicholas Spice, but what's so interesting about this article is I still remember this article from 20 years ago. I think it was my mum who pointed it out to me, and it basically is an article about about therapy. I don't know whether you've had a chance to look at it. But actually, you, it's not the first time it's come up. You've sent me this oh, before. Oh, have I really? And we've, we've t- not on the podcast, I don't think, but we've talked about it before, and it's an extraordinary piece of writing. It's basically the basic, and we'll put it in the show notes, uh, but basically it's a sort of the, the, the fundamentally clever thing it does, it sort of says that we live most of our lives with a level of not not dishonesty, but but concealed thoughts, basically, and that therapy is a sort of kind of very uh, how do I put this um, kind of uh, sort of uh, kind of lives in a different world from that, basically. Yes, uh, and that and that. He's sort of saying, I think one of the reasons why people are maybe they're less suspicious of it than they were is because it's so um, it's so challenging of the world that we live in, basically. And then he's just got some incredible writing. When you met him, did he remember the piece, or was it just something? Yeah, he more out? or less, I think. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't. You know, he was very modest about it. Um, yeah, it's just I just think it's just a brilliant piece of writing and. It's got this final paragraph, which I've probably read to you before. Beyond this, psychoanalysis does something altogether breathtaking. Out of the unworkability of its own project, as though to upbraid us with the comfortable dishonesty of our ordinary human bonds, it fashions an image of pure trust, not trust based on the appetitive deal-making of friendship and love, but a groundless, purposeless, unjustifiable trust between two, two human beings holding a conversation on the edge of the abyss. I mean, I do think it's a pretty extraordinary piece of writing. Yeah, describing therapy as a conversation on the edge of a yeah. is, is is quite brilliant because that's what it is as its best. You know, you, you should be feeling, I guess, like you're, you're not being judged in any way. Exactly, exactly. So you, you can be free, even free to be boring. Yeah, well, there's um, quite a lot of that in this, in this uh, in drinking as well. Uh, at least it, I just remember the... Now, because I just rewatched the first episode, there's quite a lot of that about the boring patient, you know. I do wonder about that. Oh. Funnily enough, Justine would say the same thing to me. Yeah, what? <laughs> you know, what you mean? You, you you wonder whether people are just the, the therapist is like, oh god, here he goes again. Yeah, imagine if a therapist fell asleep on you in the middle of a session. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Be, would be bad. Yeah, Has that, that's never happened to you. Not yet, but you know, I am quite boring in some of those sessions, so it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the other context of this is I met over Christmas a. a um, a drinks thing, somebody called Richard Layard, Lord Layard, who is approaching 90, who is best known, I think, for, first of all, for being uh, a, a sort of prestigious uh, labour economist, so economist of, of work and the and, and economics of the LSE. Um, but he took up this cause of um, psychological therapy in the NHS during the latter years of the Labour government. And funnily enough, I was just talking to him at this party about sort of how far it had got. And and then I sort of looked back at it. And it, it's quite striking because this was, he was, you know, and I know there's massive, massive problems with mental health care in the NHS. 
and and you know I'll, I'll, I'll sort of want to kind of be clear about that. Um, the, the the thing though is that when he started pushing this improving access to psychological therapy service in, in the mid two thousands, you know the NHS was just not really in any sense I think at the races on this. Mm. Um, uh, and just looking at the record of Agis, I sort of happened to look up last night, that just thinking about uh, we're going to have this conversation. Since 2008, the services have it's been now going you know, 15 years, and provided a course of treatment to over 6.5 million people um, with 665,000 treated in the last year alone. Um, uh, and, they, and his aim, Richard's aim, was to have 10,000 therapists and practitioners, and indeed they now... Uh, have them and you know it's one of those things about you know governments can sort of well somebody once said you know governments can overestimate what they can do in the short term but underestimate what they can do in the long term and you know it is i was talking to richard about this and it is quite striking what an impact i'm not saying it's him on his own but he really pushed this yeah, that's that's really impressive, actually, isn't it? Because I think you can often look at this, and I'm not saying that this isn't the way to look at it, through the lens of it, it can be hard for people to see someone or get the right treatment. But part of that is, I guess, the explosion in us being better at talking about yeah. and understanding these yeah. issues. Um, because actually the provision has increased dramatically. Yeah, as you say, so that is something to be celebrated. Whilst at the same time, acknowledging there's a there's a lot of things still to be fixed. Yeah, and I suspect this IAPT, which is no longer called IAPT, I think for talking therapies, is there might be a difference between the the. I mean, I, I suspect at the more acute end, there are massive, massive problems. Mm. Now, some of this will be for acute therapy, but but some of it won't be. Um, but but it, you know, it, look. I think I think when you think about that article that was written twenty years ago, uh, the we we have changed our attitude a lot in those twenty years, haven't we? Oh God, yeah. I I first started accessing mental health services. I think when I was twenty or twenty one, so like ninety three, ninety four, and it was something that existed but wasn't really talked about and there was such stigma about any kind of medicating or therapy and i think i mean maybe it's not quite the same across different generations but 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 it's it's changed so dramatically i think there's no stigma for people our age or younger you think no stigma about therapy yeah well i mean but then maybe maybe then i am um slightly blended by the circles that i move in but yeah do, do, why do you think do you think that there no, is no i don't know i mean but but i think you're basically right it's a, it's a transformation isn't it I, th- I think um say somebody in a public role 20 years ago if if it turned out that they were medicating for depression or, or yeah. going for therapy that that would have been a horrible tabloid news story yeah that's a good point actually. And, and i don't think in the uk I, I don't think that would be the case now no i think that is true I think you know so many people have accessed those services, and conversations about mental health and mental well-being have have come on so much that that wouldn't be seen as in any way shameful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely true. That is a that is a reason to be cheerful, as we'd have said on the 
I've reason old to be brand. I like, I like that. So it could catch on. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Hey, I've um, I've had an idea of how we could uh, increase the reach of the Chatteroo. Go on. It's welcoming a third person in. Yeah. Steamboat Willie era Mickey Mouse. I thought he could be our sidekick. You you sort of you've left me uh, stunned. So do you not know about that? This so no. the copyright on the very earliest iteration of Mickey Mouse, which was in an old black and white film called Steamboat Willie. It's, has has now lapsed. There were court cases in the 80s to extend it beyond re- regular copyright law, but it's finally fallen out of copyright. So just like Winnie the Pooh, Steamboat Willie era Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain and people can repurpose and sample and make works inspired by him. So I thought we could invite him into the into the podcast. Hey, hey, Steamboat Willie era Mickey Mouse. Which party will you be voting for at the general election? <laughs> give give us a little whistle if it's the Labour Party. Oh, and would you like to see Ed as Climate Secretary? There's an endorsement for you, Ed. I'm, I'm just sort of catching up with this. So there, basically, Disney tried to keep the copyright but failed. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. They already extended it beyond what was the law at the time. There was some cartoonist, I think, in the 70s who drew some parody images of Mickey and Minnie Mouse in, shall we say, uncompromising uh, situations. And Disney took him to, to court, and I think he had to pay them a lot of money. But now they're at the end of the copyright road. So what you can't do is use an image of Mickey Mouse as he appears at Disneyland or Disney World or anything. But this really early black and white film version of him is anybody's to repurpose now. And I think kids are making horrible slash films of, of Mickey wow. Mouse doing terrible things. That's amazing. And I wanted to mention, mm. uh, I'm reading an extraordinary book called The Overstory by Richard Powers. And really it's a book about sort of nature and the extraordinary power of nature. But uh, but that saying that doesn't give it it doesn't uh, give it its sort of do justice to it, really. 
it's a novel, of, isn't it? It's a novel. And, it's and a it's, sort of it's epic, told across the generations. Yeah, it's a sort of yeah. epic novel, but really, it was shortlisted for the Booker Prize in 2018. Uh, it's really about the extraordinary nature of nature and trees and so on. And so, led me to say to Justine over Christmas, "How old is a, a tree in our garden?" And she sort of looked at me as if to say, "Why are you asking Why me this? How asking? should I know?" Yeah. Make me wonder if there's an app to work out how old a tree is. Well, what sort of tree is it? Do you know? Oh God, I don't know. Well, you need first of all, you need an app like yeah. sh- that's like a yeah. Shazam, but for yeah, there trees. is one of those, a plant identifier. Yeah, um, and then I guess you, you'd be able to know something by its circumference, wouldn't you? So just it will vary from tree to tree. Yeah, but there'll be some kind of rule of thumb that says if it's I don't know a meter and a half around its waist, then um, it's probably in the region of this many years. I mean, honestly, I can't emphasize how extraordinary this book is. Genuinely, it is genuinely a captivating... I think it's because lots of the things one reads about nature are sort of, well, not pessimistic, maybe maybe kind of about the decline of biodiversity and all of that. And this is really partly a celebration of the power of nature and its and its sort of intelligence, really. Mm-hmm. Is is there something about not the insignificance? And I genuinely didn't think I would like the book. I, I genuinely thought this is not a book that I'm really gonna. That's really gonna be for me. And I just sort of picked it up and started reading it, and then I was just completely hooked. What did you just see it on the table in the bookshop? Uh, yeah, I did actually. Because I don't think of you as a great fiction reader. No, I saw over over the holidays I tend to read fiction, but it's been it was highly recommended to me. Um, and I think I heard an interview with him on the Ezra Klein podcast some years back. Anyway, I really. Genuinely, and is is there something about I, I guess the passing of a tri- the passing of time for a tree is very different to what it is for a human being, and and then how we're, we're so obsessed with a human centric view of the world, but does it is it about taking a step back from that a I mean, little it, bit? It sort of is, yeah, really, yeah. It basically is. Which often I can find quite what's the right word, not frightening, but sort of daunting. Mm. Because it sort of makes you one feel very, it makes one feel one's insignificance in a way. You know what I mean? Did I tell you that the in the writers' room at Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld pinned up on the wall a picture of the Earth from space, and um, any time they were getting too bogged down in a problem or too stressed out about a problem, he, he'd say, "Look, do you see that planet there? Everyone you." ever known or will know yeah. everything that just happened on it and look it's insignificant um and I, I don't know about you but i i draw no comfort from that at all no no i don't either <laughs> i'm really bad at putting putting my own problems into that kind of universal perspective yeah yeah i think it's sort of but but it's funny that's not what the book makes you think actually the book is more the thing i take out i'm only sort of not about halfway through, but the thing I take most from the book is the sort of sense of the the, the kind of brilliance and genius of nature and trees and so on, mm. which you don't really ever think about. Mm, mm. Not just their age, but their it's quite there's quite a lot about fungi, fungi as well. Oh, Remember good. we did an episode of uh, the course I do with Merlin, yeah, yeah Merlin Sheldrake. Yeah, oh, I'll have a I'll have a look at that then. So you managed to get some time away from your devices then, and with your head in a bag, I did. I did. You know, very good. And what are we going to do on the podcast this year? Do you think then? I think we'll have chats, and we'd love to know. We should, what you... We'd like to be shaped by the listeners, wouldn't we? 
Yeah, absolutely. So so the reason we have pivoted to Chatteroo is we haven't got the capacity to do the kind of um, research-heavy, lots of guests getting deep into topics as we were with reasons to be cheerful. But if there's things that you think are interesting for us to have a look at or you'd like to hear Ed's take on, articles you've seen, books you've read, films you've watched, well, whatever people you'd is. like to us to interview, because we did the interview with Ben, didn't we, Ben Ansel, last week? Yes, Yes, me, me, Ed, and Steamboat Willie would love to invite <laughs> the odd other person into uh, into our chat from time to time. It's just we we it's just us now, so we haven't got anybody to do all the guest wrangling and um, booking. Is that not re- revealing too much about how sort of useless we were? <laughs> I think people understand that. Certainly, you have a job. <laughs> I don't think anybody yeah. was expecting. Um, that, that you would makes do all us that sound yourself. slightly sort of you know hopeless really though but the, but uh, that is a job isn't it i mean the f- no, finding no, indeed, three people indeed, to talk on a podcast indeed. and researching them every week indeed, is indeed. a job and uh, unfortunately we don't have the, the capacity indeed. for that yeah no no but we can talk we, we will we'll find people interesting people to talk to yeah, if there's anybody you'd like us to have a little chatter, welcome into the chatteroo, then let us know about it, as well as any uh, any things that have um, grabbed your attention that you think it'd be interesting to uh, to hear us discuss is probably too heavy a word. No, discuss is... Are we discussing? Yeah. We're shooting the breeze. Are you going to watch Shrinking then or not, really? I'd like to, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to... You play, to... That was a high voice. <laughs> no, I would like to, but I've I've also I also do a TV recommendations podcast where I have like a long list of things that I have to watch because either we're interviewing somebody or because yes. they're the thing that everybody is talking about. But why do you want to set me homework? Would you like me to have watched an episode of that by the time we speak again? Well, that seems a bit unfair. I can, I can do that. I can find the time. That means you might be able to set me homework. It does, but maybe I'll uh, I'll keep that card in my back pocket. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, email us. We have a, a brand new email address. It's chat at cheerfulpodcast.com. We haven't even mentioned that we're wearing match, matching jumpers today. That's true. It's like we're in uniform. Not deliberately. No. Maybe we should get a cheerful, you know, a, a chatteruniform. Maybe we should get a chatteruniform for 2024 with our names on them. You're not into it, are you? What about just like little badges like um, Mormons wear? No? Okay. Well, you can't say I didn't try. No bad ideas in brainstorming. Well, you've disproved that. (laughs) All right. Have a lovely week. Thank you. You too. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.